Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am interviewing owner of Soundgarden, entrepreneur, Brian Burkert. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing, Rob? Man, thank, thank you for, for popping on. Um, and I want to get into some questions, talk about your biz, some background, maybe drop some gems, drop some jewels out there for the fine folks. Um, so real quick, Vital Stats, um, give us that background and kind of what what was the impetus that drive to kind of get you into um, small business? Because it's not solely like Soundgarden. You've got multiple ones that are kind of in that, that realm. So give us that. What, what what really drove you into wanting to be a small business owner? I guess I was always hustling as a kid, always making money. And I grew up in Buffalo. So, you know, there was always opportunity, whether it just be shoveling snow uh, we ran our own ski club. My friend, uh, Artie Quitchoff was the manager of the Goo Goo Dolls. And then, uh, you know, he, he, he was, we were putting on shows when we were young, ki- young kids too. Um, and then I came to Baltimore and, uh, there wasn't a record store that, uh, was more of the style of the ones that I grew up with in Buffalo, a place called home of the hits was where I used to go. Yeah. And, I don't know. I, sometimes I talk and I say things and then they just start to become a reality and it became a reality that I was like going to open a store. I was enrolled at university of Baltimore law school at the yeah. time. Uh, I opened Soundgarden. So it was one of those things of like identifying something. It's like, why isn't this thing that I want here and, and available? Yeah. I always say, be careful of doing what you love mm-hmm. and making a business of it. <laughs> Excuse me, because I've done that a lot. Uh, and that was a case of, hey, there's, I, I wish there was a record store like the ones I grew up with, and there's not here. So let me go ahead and open one. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And um, I got financing from my sister's boyfriend at the time and went around to every store I could in uh, the region and remembered all the ones I'd seen and wrote down what I liked. Yeah. And what I didn't like, and then try to put everything that I liked into one location. So you're out there hustling, you were pull, pulling together just different components of different places that you're like, I want this, this needs to happen. I don't know if that fits. I, I think like, that's kind of the background of how like Oreo park was built out. It's like, we see these different things from different parks. It's like, how can we make this here? Because the park that we had didn't really serve the, the needs that we, um, that we had at the time. Yeah, I think that's how other successful businesses have been drawn. Like I, whenever I talk to somebody, people talk to me about business a lot and entrepreneurs do. And I'm always like, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, who is it? That, who that you're, you're not reinventing. Nothing's you're not doing something. You're not reinventing the wheel. There's already been some version of this. I'm not saying that you're not going to be different from that, but who do you want to be? And then kind of find out everything about that entity or who that person is and then 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 make it your own follow those guidelines and make it your own you know oreo park i grant is granted is a lot like a lot of other fields but it's got its own identity too absolutely and i think it that's something that gets it over when you're explaining and expressing it to a potential like audience or client like i went to a uh, gallery space not too long ago and they kind of broke down what their vision is the two owners and they were like we want it to be like this meets this 
two entities that we know. So you're taking elements from this one place and this other place and combining them and making it your own. And I think that's the language that we speak in going back to your point that there's nothing new under the sun. You know, so yeah. you're doing your own spin on it, even with like podcasting. There's only so many topics that like we can sit here. And like I said before, when we got started, uh, we could talk about business. And but the only way it's going to be different is, you know, I'm having a conversation with you. There are certain topics that you can speak on that, you know, well, your background and all of that. But maybe how our approach is going to be different. That's that's the thing that separates it. Very similar. Yep. Um, broadly speaking, how how have your your businesses or your business strategies evolved over the years? Like you 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 touched on like kind of checking out other places as, as an example of that I guess research right on what you wanted to build into Soundgarden. But how has that changed over the years, and what kind of things are you currently doing in your your strategies to kind of keep what you're doing fresh and, and interesting and bringing in folks? Well, I mean, if anybody. Uh, obviously everybody should be following all the shit I do, but, uh, <laughs> if you haven't been following every minute of my last, uh, since 1993, I kind of pivoted from retail to immersive, uh, spaces and doing more spaces and stuff like that. And when I was younger, cause I opened up Fletcher's shortly after I opened up the store, which was like a live music venue on the second floor and like a pool hall, great like tavern on the first floor. And I partnered with, uh, uh, Seth from nine 30 club and Meriwether and Anthem to do that. And back then it was kind of like my way was like, I was, it was all me uh, doing things. But of course I was the culture back then. I was 25, 28 years old. You know, it, it was like, I was the audience at yeah. that point. And, um, it's a little easier. And most people that age don't get to open up businesses or venues and places like that. It was a little easier for me just to be like spot on with everything. I think I became a better business owner once I started bringing in other people mm. and uh, help, and I have great, great teams of people that work with me now. So, you know, in including uh, Akio, who I just started working with, um, that you know. And it, that, that's been the big difference is uh, knowing, my, knowing my strengths is important, but knowing my weaknesses is even better to have. And, I, you know, and when I have these weaknesses or there's things that I think I do good, but I know people who do it great. So I kind of step back. So in being like, I, I look at Soundgarden, for an example, as a landmark in many ways. And your, your, your businesses have been peppered throughout, like, like Fells Point, for instance, and obviously other places, but Fells Point was, which pops into mind for me because it's so close to me. <laughs> Tell us about the, like the Baltimore, like vinyl and, and music scene, because one would look at it like, vinyl is gone it, it doesn't exist you know streaming and all of that stuff but i'll say for me the last two years i've been grabbing vinyl i've got jazz here i've got r ridiculous soundtracks some of which i've bought from Soundgarden. so uh you know we got to go back right now record store day um yeah. which is an event that uh i helped start uh, actually was born out of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, there's a plaque outside the store discussing that. And that was about the same time Napster had yeah. hit and st indie record stores. It was like, 
was like a shovel to our face because we were just cranking with CDs back then. I mean, we were just like, I was like, look at this, man. We we just show up and people are coming and everybody's buying everything. And all of a sudden our sales dropped uh, precipitously. Yeah. And um, the artists were lamenting the loss of independent record stores. At the same time, independent record store owners aren't always the brightest and clearest with their thoughts because there's so much emotion into it and everything. High fidelity is real. You know, the, the Nick Hornby book <laughs> yeah. and subsequent movie. And um, we got all these indie record stores together in Baltimore for meetings. And we uh, some we had some advertising coalitions wrapped around. So we already had relationships and it was actually in the Broadway Square. And we had a discussion about, hey, all these artists. I mean, I'm talking McCartney, I'm, you know. Yeah, stones like big artists like the legendary artists were lamenting the loss of their record stores they grew up with because it's part of a culture and I think for Baltimore City the Soundgarden has always been part of the culture it's one of the places where you will see every person in Baltimore can come there old, black, white, young who everybody kind of goes through there and that's what kind of what I always wanted to be was to be a cultural standpoint and um as these artists were lamenting that we've had the idea of trying to leverage that into them talking to talking about it and doing some uh, videos and quotes and everything. Yeah. And then it was brought up about comic books, comic book store day when they actually release comic books one day uh, a year that are exclusive. Yeah. And we started reaching out to artists and see if they would give us a vinyl for one day a year, exclusive limited edition. So we're making instant collectible items. Mm. And uh, obviously the first uh, ambassador were uh, were Metallica and they were a hundred percent behind us. And then, you know, the Beatles and McCartney was behind us, the Stones, U2, and everybody just jumped on board. And when you start getting artists like that saying, Hey, we're going to give you these exclusive pieces of vinyl and it's only going to be available for one day. You're basically, making collector's items right out the gate. And then those are being promoted on their sites and all their uh, social media to their fans at that point, whether it it even been an email blast and they're kind of rebranding vinyl is cool. We always knew it sounded better texturally and has that warmth, but then we had to reintroduce it. I mean, we, the first few record stores days kind of looked like you'd expected them to like, old dudes with uh, ponytails and uh, high top converse on. Um, <laughs> I do not have a ponytail on right now, so I don't want to be categorized into that, but it kind of looked like that. And uh, slowly but surely, it just started to cross over to a little bit of everybody. And I think one of the reasons that some, that people also collect vinyl is not only does it sound good, not only do you get to see the artwork and everything, but people got to have some shit, man. If I come over to your house and all you have is everything digital, I don't know that much about you, you know? But if I come over to your house and you have a record collection, I'm going to flip through your record collection. I'm going to be like, oh, this is the shit Rob's into. I like this stuff. Yeah, me and Rob are okay, you know? And especially when people live in dorms or live in apartments and everything, I think people wanted that way to express who they are. Like, Like me, I growing up had that ability to do that. So... And so we slowly started to grow with vinyl. And I'm telling you right now, any boys or men out there who aren't buying vinyl, our biggest growth is young females. It yeah. is so many young females buy, buy vinyl. It is 
insane. We can't like Summer Walker had that one. We had a, a limited edition Summer Walker gone in minutes. You know, <laughs> it is that audience that exploded recently over the last few years with uh with vinyl growth and now vinyl growth is it's you know it's a straight line up right now we can't manufacture enough to keep in stock because i remember that was a that was like a big thing at like like urban outfitters like seeing more and more records yeah, pop everybody up there. else has been uh, yeah i don't mind like let, let, let urban outfitters let the grocery stores let everybody sell vinyl great <laughs> because we're gonna have a better store we're gonna have a better selection right and we're going to buy, you know, we're also in the used market too. So the more vinyl that's out there, the more vinyl we'll have used. Our used sections banging right now. So, you know, keep talk it that going. Talk. talk that yeah, talk. Keep it going. And, and we were also the ones that encouraged the artists when they're on talk shows. Yeah. Hold up that vinyl, man. Just, you know, hold it up. When you're talking about your album, which just came out, hold the vinyl up and kind of just brands it in people's heads. And it kind of, it worked. Thank, thankfully it worked. I, but I, going back to it, I like I like the thing you were touching on about like it tells you about who a person is like as a person that's in the nascent stages of building out like a collection of vinyl. Like I have a Tory Watt uh, uh, record I got from from Soundgarden, a Charles Mangus record I got from Soundgarden. And, um. uh, yes. And um, and it's kind of like one of those things. And I remember my friend got me a gift card to sound. She was like, you seem like a guy that will go there. And I was like, wow. I was like, I don't know what that is. How, how did I get picked out? And, but it, it's a certain vibe. It's a certain energy of the people that would go there. It has this accessible accessibility, but while being exclusive in that same way, because not everyone sits there and has vinyl, like back in yeah. the day, everyone could have a CD or what have you. And CDs were, but with vinyl, you got to have the record player. And I'm looking at my record player right now and it sets the mood for me. Like if I throw on a record, it's like, okay, I'm working. And yes, I can appreciate the sounds a lot better than, you know, trying to go to title because they have the warm sounds or even doing a Spotify thing. I use Spotify to explore, but I use vinyl and records for appreciation. Because anytime you listen to vinyl, you're going to listen to it on speakers. So yep. you're always going to get a good sound. When you listen to streaming, sometimes you, you know, you be on shit system sometimes. And, AirPods. And make it <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I always listen to vinyl almost all the time in the morning. Like when I get up, I just pop a record on and mm -hmm. it just kind of like sets the day for me. Um, so let, let's talk about um, the, the building process. And hopefully I want to get some, uh, maybe a couple of gems out of this. Tell me about the building process for like building out a business. Uh, you, you, you touched on certain components of that research component, working with folks and such. But is there like almost a, a mastermind group or some some people that are like trusted colleagues that you're like, all right. Uh, I mean, I'm like ready, fire, aim, man. I'm like sometimes <laughs> my, my mouth gets ahead of my brain and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like I, at one point in Baltimore and not many people, I didn't put this out there. I had the Soundgarden, I had Fletcher's, and then I also had one, which was, I, I only owned it for the first three years, but that was like a, a celebrity club. You know, The Wire was being shot, Meth Man was always there, yeah. Idris would DJ there from The Wire, and it was just like Kanye had like three parties there. It was just like always celebrities dripping. It was like at that one moment when the Ravens won the Super Bowl and they were shooting all the movies in Baltimore, and um, all of it, I just like had an idea and then just got ahead of myself with the idea a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden was like, oh, shit, I'm in this. So let me 
let me finish this and let me bring in some some really good partners at, 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 for those projects. You know, obviously, I brought in uh, IMP, which is 930 Club and in, in Anthem and Merriweather. So, I mean, they're, they're great at that part, part of the game. And then uh, brought in Madonna's designers, Peter Sabalia, uh, to do one. Um, so I, I, I do bring in people eventually to have a, to work with me, but really the initial idea and the initial concept for a room is mine. Mm -hmm. And then I have a bit of a plan and I start to write it out mm -hmm. um, about the operational end of it. But I, I, I live in the spaces when I, when I build them, uh, I will, if I, if you were a really good uh, finisher, like you're really good uh, cr craftsman, yeah. I would have you working for me and I'd just be like, Hey, Rob, I'm your helper. Like you, I'm not paying you to clean up. I'm not paying you to go to home Depot. That's me. I'm a, all I want you to do is teach me what you do and how you do and talk with me. And I'll try to fill in some holes for you. Cause I'm pretty good with construction too, but I'm going to live in this space. And as I live in a space, I kind of feel it and that kind of comes together. And then if I'm working with you and I'm living in the space, I'll be like, Hey, why, why don't we do this? Let's change this and everything. So everything has a framework but then like grows and adapts when I live in it. And that's it. So the sound garden is the same thing. The sound garden is always adapting and always moving. And it's kind of, that's, that's how my businesses uh, exist and how they, how they come together. I know it's not really the best way to do things because they, you know, they, in other ways they say, you know, you should formulate a plan, work, write everything down. I've never done any of this for money. I've never thought about money. I always do it for the art and for the creation. And then the, thankfully I'm always like, if I could draw a crowd, I'll figure out a way to make money. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then I adapt and I move forward and that's how things go. I think that's when something, whatever the entity is, business, um, your approach, whatever, whatever it is, it's a living, breathing thing. And I think if you let it become stagnant, then you kind of just get in your own head and it's like, Oh, this is great. This is perfect. I, I remember joking with a chef about, I was like, you ever have a thing that you take off the menu or something that you keep on because your ego says, you know what? This is working. This is great. And they were like, no, you got to take things off. You got to change your menu regularly. If people yeah. hate it, don't keep it on air. Yeah. Uh, you know, back to, you know, when I opened up Soundgarden, I was a culture. When I opened up Fletcher's, I was a culture. And then came one, and I had this vision of what one was going to be, but Baltimore City said, uh, -uh that's, that's not what this is going to be. We're going to tell you what this is going to be. And, you know, the audience will, will tell you, opened up the get down. That was going to be a, like, nice laid-back lounge, and all uh, of a sudden everybody just wants to throw down and dance. And I was like, all right, we got, we got to pivot a little. And then, yeah. you know, the Rockwell, same thing. It had a different idea. Yeah. And then, you know, people tell you, have you listened to the people? and you can let go of your ego and you realize you're building this for them and not for yourself, they'll tell you what they want. And that's, and then, and that's big know, here too. You can have your vision and do that, but, but, but they'll get, they'll give you, they'll give you enough input. And, and that's a big thing here where I think the, the climate here in Baltimore, if you want people to buy in, if you want people to endorse and be an evangelist for what you're doing, they have to feel like you're listening. And it's yeah. like, you know, there are places that got humbled over this last two years that weren't listening and then they may not they might not be open anymore. And that's just the hard truth about it. It's like you you want you want to build something out that is for an audience or what have you know what your audience is seeking. Well, in nine out of ten of 
especially in the hospitality space of these businesses fail. And I would say eight of those nine that fail are usually men who made money doing something else, mm-hmm. opening another version of their basement and telling people that they want to educate everybody. They want to tell everybody my basement is the best damn basement <laughs> in the world. You need to come to my basement. Well, Yeah, you've got a basement. If I want to go to your basement, I can go to your basement. And then, you know, you got to you got to get your shit. So people people want to be there in Baltimore. Baltimore will tell you Baltimore will verbally tell you Uh, what you don't have and what you what you want. Baltimore. I like I love the people of Baltimore. You know, Baltimore has been great for me. And uh, yeah, it's I think I'm part. uh, I'm glad you said that, that we're part of the culture, because I I feel we're part of the culture. So. I, I got two more questions before I get into rapid fire questions. And I purposely did not send these to you because I want to troll you a little bit. But um, so the re- so the last two questions, um, what is your most marked characteristic? Like whether it be in business, whether it be in social settings, what is that thing that sticks out about you? Or people often say like, you know what? Brian says this word a lot. He's he's always running his mouth. What, what is that thing for you? I'm always the one thing I always do and I always say is no regret. Like it's no regret, like do things in your life personally, do things in your life professionally without regret, like Mm -hmm. take it all the way. Don't, don't, you don't want to do something and say, Oh, I wish I would have done it this way because you're going to, if you fail, you're going to fail anyway, but just do it with, do it with no regret. Go all in. If you're going to get, if you're going to step in, step all the way in because it may not work, but if if it doesn't work and you didn't give it your all and didn't take that next step, then you got regret. And then you got to wonder, well, maybe if I would have just done this, it would have been okay. So no regret. That That is my mantra. And I, I try to remember that myself a lot too. Well, you actually answered both of those questions. So now I can just go into rapid fire. See, you're, you're, you're wrapping it up. See, it's like you've done an interview with a podcast before you're wrapping it up. We're almost done here. Okay. Uh, so I have five rapid fire questions and the way that these things work, I'll ask you a question and you just give me an answer. You don't have to add any extra context or anything along those lines, unless you really want to. You're like, look, I got a hot take about this. All right. So um, first one, what was the first record that you bought? Uh, David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust. Um, what was for the first record? record for your first record? Come on. That is a good record. No, it's, it's a strong one. This is a strong one. That's a strong first record. Go ahead. Now I'm going to flip it. What was the first record that you sold? The first record I sold, I sold at the Soundgarden. That was Bob Marley's Songs of Freedom box set. Nice. Nice. On see, CD. That, so you had to do the full circle thing right there. You notice? Yeah. Um, so I'll make this currently because you're, you're a music guy and, you know, and it's kindred here. It's kindred. I'm trying, I'm trying to establish connection here. Uh, what's your, what is your favorite song, your favorite recent song? Because if you're a music guy, that's a hard question. So I got to put some yeah, time. It's almost an impossible question. I got to put parameters know? around it. Uh, I'll tell you what, on my, my phone ringer right now <laughs> is, uh, the reggae, uh, female reggae artist coffee. The song she does with Gunna. Uh, okay. yeah. Hopefully somebody remembers what the name of that. I don't remember. So it rings all the time on my phone, but that's it. You know, I like that. It, my, that, that part of my music just constantly changes mm-hmm. at Soundgarden. Every employee gets to play a full pick when they mm-hmm. walk in. Yeah. So I hear new music all the time, which helps, you know, that's, that's and my daughter has always introduced me into new music. My son does a little bit too. All right. Last two. Um, you know, I had to ask this because, you know, you're in Baltimore and you're from Buffalo, what have you. 
buffalo wings or crab cakes what do, what do you got these and, I, and and don't burn yourself because you know I'm, I, that was a political question i feel i would say buffalo wings if they're if they're done right yeah okay. they're both good i mean you can't beat either one of them yeah. you know i respect it I respect they, should, they should open up a place just buffalo wings and crab cakes just that that's all they're serving people people respect that is that an exclusive? If they got baltimore style crab cakes and buffalo wings and good buffalo wings i'd be down for that was that an exclusive right there? Yeah, no that's, that's not coming from me. <laughs> yeah. That's you. You can handle that. <laughs> um, all right. This is the last one. And, I, and you, you, you touched on um, uh, the a record store that you, you grew up with that you dug. But outside of um, Soundgarden, what current like record shop are is like you're like they they do good stuff. I, I like what they do. I really like Easy Street Records in uh, Seattle. It's in West Seattle. Matt Vaughn owns it, and just like his style, the way, just the way it lays out, and I, we steal a lot from each other. Let me put it that way. That's great. Like the beanie hats that I have in the Soundgarden right now are, you know, with the patch on them. I got those from him, and we go, we go back and forth. I like, I like what he does. You know, he's got a cool store. If you never, if you're ever out in Seattle, go to Easy Street Records for sure. That's an endorsement. I dig it. Um, so that's all the questions I have. I want to invite you, um, if you got anything you want to plug website, social media, all of that stuff. And thank you for being on this podcast. This has been great. (laughs) Thank you uh, for having me. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I own a place called the Rockwell, which is a hundred percent projection wrap. Um, part owners of Bond House down in Fells Point, too, a great restaurant. And then, of course, there's a sound garden and it's Christmas season and uh, SGRecordShop.com. We appreciate you buying stuff. You know, we have if you're not if you're not buying media. That's fine. We have plenty of other stuff. Uh, we have shirts. We have gifts. We have all kinds of stuff. You know, it's we're an independent business and all the people who work there live here. So, you know, let's keep things in our community. Let's keep everything moving back and forth. And, you know, our mutual friend, Akio Evans, he's going to have a pop-up shop in there. And, you know, he's a young man from uh, East Baltimore, great artist. And we're going to have all of his stuff in there. And, you know, I want to continue to support the community. And the only way I'm able to continue to support the community is if uh, the people in Baltimore support us. And uh, this is a great time to support, uh, an independent record store and uh, a Baltimore uh, shop. So that's about it. Thank you, Rob. So there you have it, folks. For um, Brian Burkert, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art records in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for them.